1: Welcome to the morning after on sports grid you're listening on sirius xm channel 204 i'm your host ariel epstein we're here till noon eastern time it is thursday night football Football going to be in action today, in addition to some Major League Baseball as well. Cannot wait that a week from today, we're going to be talking about the start of the college football season also. We do have some guests coming on the show today, later this hour. Sports Grid's MLB insider Craig Mish will give us his side of what's going on in Major League Baseball, especially in that National League, which is so crazy in two out of the three divisions. I do have to give a shout-out to start the show. My dad, Darren Epstein, saves the day, comes in, saves the internet. The internet went out last damn night. It, I'm really on it, zero, it, zero damn sleep. Damn last it. night, if you're in this New York area, you got three tornado warnings sent to your phone, sirens going off. Oh, it was absolutely horrible. I am running on about two hours of sleep. Woke up to no internet. It's just the heck of a morning, Ben Stevens.
2: <laughs> Whatever coffee provider out there in the United States of America, maybe even internationally, if you want to sponsor the morning after today, could be your day ariel epstein needs a little bit of that juice i'll provide it thursday night football nfl preseason week two action i was four and one in week number one of the nfl preseason can we continue to ride this wave or are we flying way too close to the sun i would bet on the latter. however we have thursday night football College football is on the horizon. We got scandals in Nebraska. And Nebraska starts off week zero of college football next week. We are getting so close to game week across the entire football landscape. And, oh, yeah, Major League Baseball is pretty good as well. So I will bring the juice, Ariel Epstein. Shout out to your father, Mr. Epstein, for getting the Internet back up and working. That is a win to start the day. And then we build wins from there.
1: You're right. That's a good optimistic way to look at it. I'm really feeling pessimistic today considering I woke up to no internet. However, it is a good sign that knockwood the internet came back before 9 a.m. Eastern time. I am excited for the NFL preseason. Unfortunately, I do feel this game tonight's going to be slightly boring with not as many offensive plays as someone who's watching a preseason game would like it is the philadelphia eagles hosting the new england patriots and ben last week we did see the unders prevailed in the preseason the unders go 13 and 3 last week speaking of unders i mean how much could you see that trend continuing not only this week throughout the rest of the preseason
2: Ariel, we've learned from a lot of sharp guys, former odds makers themselves, like Dave Sharapan, who have told us because of it how under things went last week. Thirteen of the 16 games, the average score between both sides combined in the 16 games last week, 31.9 points per game over those 16 games in nfl preseason week number one that maybe there's going to be an overreaction to the under and we might see the books lower the lines a little bit and then see a ton of overs here in week number two here's a thing to note for week number two because of the new preseason schedule only three games coaches are treating this game like the normal preseason week number three which was the most we saw the starters so could these games look more similar to what we will see in the regular season i think think we will get that on full display tonight. Expect Jalen Hurts to play a ton. We'll see some Cam Newton. We'll see a lot of Mac Jones and some of the starters out there for a good majority of the first half. Of course, Bill Belichick keeps things close to the chest. We're not entirely sure what Nick Sirianni is going to do, but we'll get to all of that as we welcome in our Sports Grid radio audience here. First hour of the morning after just underway. You're listening on Sirius XM channel 204, the Mightier 1090 out on the West Coast. It's Ben Stevens and Ariel Epstein with you here Thursday night football preseason week number two in the National Football League and we are geared up and juiced up so Ariel when it comes to the unders which prevailed in such a large way in week number one you look at the game that we have tonight the single game on the NFL slate the total is currently at 38 it opened at 38 in the hook Maybe bet down to the under just slightly. Are we contrarian? How do we look at that? We will break down this game in full because I have some stats on that under based off what we have seen from the Patriots in the Eagles in the past couple of seasons. And again, if we can expect to see starters out there for a good majority of this game, might it more closely resemble a regular season contest? These are all questions we will ask for week number two of the NFL preseason and get some small sample size of answers tonight between the Eagles and the Patriots.
1: While well, I was on the early line before Donnie Wright's side, who, by the way, that show, there are a bunch of Eagles and Philadelphia homers down there. Yeah, they all were talking about the Super Bowl rematch that's going on today. Guys, the Eagles and the Patriots Go. are two completely different teams than who played in the Super Bowl a few years ago. You don't have your savior, Nick Foles. You don't even have no. Carson Wentz. There's no, no. Tom Brady. Uh, what what comparison are we trying to draw here, Ben.
2: Super Bowl rematch. That's like four Super Bowls ago. It's, well, I was watching that game in Omaha, Nebraska. That's how long ago it was. What are we talking Super Bowl? rematch? I was just talking with our guy, Kay Dubs, who was telling me he's an Eagles fan. And I was blown away. The man born and raised in Queens, New York, who's a Yankees fan, is all of a sudden an Eagles fan? I was blown away by that, but I agree, Ariel. This is not a Super Bowl rematch. This is a fresh start for two organizations trying to figure out what they're doing at the quarterback position. Very different than a couple of years ago when these two teams met in the Super Bowl.
1: It's almost as if you go and you see your ex again and you look at them and say, I don't even know you anymore. You've changed so much. Mm. That's what's going down between these two teams. They don't even have the same head coach in Philadelphia anymore. At least the only consistent thing is that Bill Belichick is still around in Foxboro? Coming up next, we're going to talk about those NFL headlines. There were some updates from training camp that may have an impact on the odds, may have an impact in the futures market as well. You're listening here on SiriusXM, Channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. With Ben Stevens, I'm Ariel Epstein. We've got you covered until noon Eastern time here on The Grid.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on The Grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Back on the morning after on SportsGrid, Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Make sure to follow us all over social media, especially on Twitter. You can follow us at SportsGrid and TV. On our Twitter page, we don't just post pics. We give you analysis and you can catch any of our video clips from all of our shows. So make sure to go to SportsGrid and TV on Twitter. There is no better way in the preseason to get Ben way more mad than to talk about... Uh, Justin Fields and this morning in case you missed the opening segment I started my day with uh, three tornado watches waking me up at 3 4 and 5 a.m. I woke up to no internet so my morning's been pretty bad and I just have to bring Ben on my level because I'm just a sadist today. There was Andy Dalton who's known as the red rifle. He said at a press conference yesterday that Justin's going to have a great career but right now it's my time. How does this make you feel, Ben Stevens?
2: What would he what is he supposed to say? That's exactly what Andy Dalton should say. He should have the confidence. I mean, Chicago gave him the confidence before the NFL draft, and I don't think the Bears were necessarily looking for a quarterback until Justin Fields, for whatever reason, was passed on in the top ten and fell into their lap, allowing the Bears to trade up to number eleven overall to get a franchise quarterback who is going to walk into Canton and wear a gold jacket one day. What is Andy Dalton supposed to say? He was given a one year twelve million dollar deal from the Chicago Bears. They told him he was QB one. He feels that that confidence and rightfully show. so he should not just bend over to the rookie I think at a certain point he will and it will be Justin Fields team but this is what Andy Dalton was supposed to say so it doesn't bother me anyway I have some more takes Ariel but I mean Andy Dalton was going to say what he's going to say so I don't mind it at all
1: I just thought it was great because I knew that a part of you, the Big Ten Ben part of you, was sitting there cringing at the thought of Andy Dalton starting over Justin Fields. We'll see if our prediction of what, three and a half games, over under three and a half games, or are you moving it to Four and a half. Four and a half? I feel like four and a half is a good number. Four and a half is better than three I think it. I would take a four and a half.
2: I think it should be the hook. I'm just saying. I think we should maybe move that down to the hook. Will he start week pre-season, or will he start regular season week one or will it be week number I don't two? Give so out maybe pushes. it's week one and a half.
1: I don't give what? out pushes. No, no, no. Well, There's what I'm no saying is here. it's week
2: one and a half. So either take the under that he starts regular season week one, he starts <laughs> from the jump, or he starts after that. It's pretty much what I'm saying because I believe it will be regular season week one if we continue to see. But listen, week number two is important for the preseason as well.
1: And the Bears, they end up going from plus one to minus four, flipping against the Buffalo Bills. That game's going to be Saturday, 1 p.m. The total at 38 currently on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Now the Bears' win total is 7.5, over plus 100, under minus 120. A lot to be figured out when it comes to the quarterback race and if Justin Fields is the answer to hitting that over. I do want to move into what's going on with the Chiefs because the Chiefs' preseason game is tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern time. The Chiefs flip from minus one and a half, or excuse me, they go from minus one and a half, to minus two and a half at Arizona. The total from 43 drops down to 41. ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted out that the Chiefs head coach, Andy Reid, reported on how much he will be playing his starters Friday. And he said, quote, we'll go a half somewhere there about with the starters. And then with the twos and threes, we'll take the second half. Basically, is saying, yeah, we're going to put our starters in. And we did see Patrick Mahomes come in for one series in game one. Ben, how much does this change your handicap on the Chiefs preseason game two?
2: Honestly, this is way more than I thought the starters would play at any point throughout this preseason for the Kansas City Chiefs. So it certainly does affect how I'm looking at this game because if you expect the Chiefs to be out there and their starters to be out there, mainly Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, who no longer has a beard, by the way, and looks super weird, maybe that's a handicap you take into fitting the Chiefs in the regular season, then you might think this is going to more closely resemble a regular season game. And if we see a lot of the Chiefs, we can expect to see a lot of the Cardinals as well. Cliff Kingsbury surprised a lot of people around Arizona in not playing Kyler Murray at all preseason week number one I expect him to play probably a good majority of that first half as well now we have the Chiefs as a two and a half point favorite in that game tomorrow night the total is reflective of the idea we might be seeing two top 10 offenses out there for a good majority of the first half the total is 41 by far the largest on this week two preseason slate so that's more so where i would look as opposed to a side here if you're going to see Kyler murray and patrick mahomes out there for a good majority of the first half maybe a quarter quarter and a half then you can expect to see some points maybe especially looking at a first half total before the reserves get in there in the second half
1: will be interesting because. This whole team has worked together already. I mean, aside for the offensive line, everyone else on the offense for the Chiefs has played together for the last two, three years. Except when you talked about Belichick, the head coach of the Patriots, he says that all that matters is that the offensive line plays with the offensive line. It doesn't matter if the quarterback plays the offensive line. That's a Belichickism. I am gonna move into the Dallas Cowboys. We do watch them on Hard Knocks every week, and it's looking less and less likely to see Dak Prescott this preseason, the quarterback dealing with shoulder injuries in Dallas. The Cowboys Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy told reporters that Dak will be limited in practice today, and there's a good chance he probably won't play versus the Texans Saturday. 8 p.m. is this game: Texans at Cowboys. Cowboys laying four. The total has dropped a lot: 41 and a half down to 37 and a half. There could have been hope that Dak Prescott actually played for maybe a series in this one. However, Ben, what I thought was interesting is that Brady Tinker, who covers the Cowboys, came on our show yesterday. He said these two teams absolutely hate each other. This preseason game actually may mean something to the players.
2: Which is very interesting. And Brady Tinker also thought that Dak Prescott might get some run here in preseason week number two. So if it's not Dak, then where do you look at for the quarterback position for the Dallas Cowboys? Well, we have that sample size over the Hall of Fame game and preseason week number one for the Cowboys. Cooper Rush, Garrett Gilbert, and of course, Ben DiNucci. When you look at what the Cowboys have done through the air in their first two weeks week number one the hall of fame game 238 yards 24 43 an interception week number one against the cardinals 215 yards combined over the three quarterbacks 20 of 43 and a touchdowns so you average those out over the two games we have seen of the cowboys 226 and a half passing yards per game only a 51.2 completion percentage. So that's something to be interested by as you look to handicap this game between the Texans and the Cowboys. Now the Texans, despite all the uncertainty around Deshaun Watson and that entirely weird situation, Looked really good in their preseason opener. They stuck it to the Packers. They won 26-7, to and Tyrod Taylor was out there. was perfect 4-4. Davis Mills looked pretty good. The rookie out of Stanford, 11-22, of 22, 112 yards. Did throw an interception, but the ground game for the Texans is where they really shined in week number one. 170 rushing yards as a team and two scores out of that Texans backfield week number one of the preseason. So without Dak, You have to think we kind of have an understanding of what this offense might do. Could we see more Zeke Elliott? Could we see CeeDee Lamb? I certainly think that will be the case here in week number two of the preseason for the Dallas Cowboys. But I look at that total, and I see it right now at 37 and a half. I have a hard time thinking that based on what we had seen from the Cowboys early on, we could reach that total of 37 and a half. I know the Texans scored 26 in week number one of the preseason in their contest Against the Packers, but I think things might be a little bit slower here in week number two for both of these offenses. That would be my early mm-hmm. lean for this game between the Texans and the Cowboys, although the Texans getting points with no Dak Prescott could also be something that intrigues me.
1: Ben Bendinucci ben being the quarterback that will probably see most of the second half for the Cowboys. As for the Texans, doesn't surprise me to watch them try to get the ground game going. They're relying on uh, kind of questionable quarterback room currently and you have Gerard Taylor leading the way Deshaun Watson is your fourth string quarterback on the depth chart Watson apparently not even around the players at practice reports have indicated half the team doesn't even want Watson on the team which is probably why the team is keeping him away from everybody just get the drama out of the room let him go practice let him stay in shape let him use the facilities just don't make him part of the team i guess until things are resolved a lot of off the field issues happening there for watson unsure if he's going to even be part of the team week one unsure if he'll be on the commissioner's exempt list we'll have to see how all that plays out throughout the next few weeks of nfl preseason coming up next major league baseball action last night not only from a gambling perspective were certain games exciting there was so much drama so many storylines history being made unbelievable stuff in the mlb stay here on the grid Back on the morning after on Sports Grid, it's Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein in Major League Baseball last night. If you weren't watching the highlights, at least, of the two-way player show, Hey Otani, then just take your baseball fandom away. The Angels end up getting the win yesterday, 3-1 over the Tigers. The Angels do stay under their team total, 4.5. Uh, Angels minus 136 cash in on the money line, but Otani was the story. He ends up pitching in the game. And he goes eight innings with eight strikeouts, six hits allowed, one earned run, which was a home run, by the way. That wasn't the only home run hit in the game because Shohei Ohtani hit his 40th home run also last night. The odds for Ohtani to win the American League MVP go down to minus 1100. This player has a 293 ERA and leads Major League Baseball with 40 home runs. Ben, this is the most exciting player we have watched probably in our lifetime.
2: Oh, easily in our lifetime, possibly ever in the history of Major League Baseball, because Shohei Ohtani is the first of his name. The fourth Angels player, however, to hit 40 home runs in a season. You're talking about guys like Mike Trout. You're talking about guys like Albert Pujols. Those are the guys that Shohei Ohtani is up there. But he was the fastest in Angels history to get to 40 home runs in only 122 games. He is also the first American League pitcher because often AL pitchers do not hit. To hit a home run and toss eight innings in the same game since 2006. 15 years for that to be the case. Because let's not forget, he was also on the bump last night. Eight incredibly solid innings in his K prop of six and a half. That had plus money to the over against the Tigers. Yeah, he finished with eight strikeouts going over that number of six and a half. Shohei Otani can certainly do it all. 40 home runs for a pitcher who can hit, who can bat, who can throw. All of those things added in one area. What do we always say? Often don't look at the scoreboard when it comes to an Angels game and you're seeing a Shohei Ohtani highlight, but when he's pitching and hitting as well as he did last night against the Detroit Tigers, it was okay to look at it. The Angels getting the 3-1 win.
0: Also
1: great because Otani, when he's pitching this well, you can keep him in the game. You need his bat and you need his arm at this point. It's not just one or the other. You need both. It's the best thing that the Angels have going right now. 36-1 to 1 is where the American League Cy Young Award is for Otani. Again, heavily favored to win MVP. Switching over to the National League, the Atlanta Braves beat the Miami Marlins 11-9 yesterday. The Braves cash in at minus 240 on the money line. Their first baseman Atlanta, Freddie Freeman, He hits for his second career cycle that helped lift Atlanta to that win. Ninth in Braves history, fifth first baseman with multiple career cycles since 1900, and third player this season with the cycle. Ben, watching Freddie Freeman do that, I mean, everyone needs to step up for the Braves, including the last of their star players like Freddie Freeman.
2: No Ronald Acuna Jr., and yet the Braves offense has been the eighth best in all of Major League Baseball since the All-Star break, thanks to guys like Frederick Freeman, Frederick Freeman, excuse me, Austin Riley, Ozzy Albie's, who has been incredible as well. So you look at what the Braves are doing right now: winners of six straight, nine of their last ten. They have a three and a half game lead in the National League East now, and they are the heavy minus money favorites at minus one ninety five to win the NL East on the divisional odds board on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And that is in large part to this offense getting hot at the right time. Freddie Freeman, certainly the guy that instigates all of that for the Braves.
1: Another team that's getting hot-ish, the Minnesota Twins. They beat the Cleveland Indians 8-7, cash 116 on the money line. The reason I use ish, The Twins' last three wins have all come in walk-off fashion. Ben, sometimes I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, if you're winning by a walk-off every game.
2: Hey, kind of hot, though. You're right. The Twins have won seven of their last ten games, but they've been one of the biggest disappointments in the AL Central, a league that, by the way, has no divisional odds up on the FanDuel Sportsbook because the White Sox are just running away with it. So, yeah, kudos to the Twins, but a very disappointing season in the Twin Cities.
1: Coming up next, two teams in New York that are keeping things very interesting this Major League Baseball season. We're going to welcome in our MSG audience. We'll be back in about 15 seconds here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Welcome to our MSG audience here in the first hour of the morning after on SportsGrid. We're also on Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. In Major League Baseball yesterday, two New York teams are just going in completely opposite directions. However, it was a good day to parlay the New York baseball teams. First, we'll start with the New York Mets, who do get the win over the San Francisco Giants winning 6-2. This looks as if the Mets were ahead by way more than they really were, the Mets kept things super interesting. They were only up two to one going into the ninth inning, I'm pretty sure, and end up winning six to two. And the Mets cash as dogs plus 122 on the money line. The Mets are still four and a half games back of the National League East. Atlanta minus 195. Philly plus 0230, and the Mets are sitting at six to one. Just under a month ago, the Mets were the favorites to win this division. Then a lot has changed between all three teams having the first place spot and the shortest odds across the last month of the season.
2: But a much needed win for the New York Mets yesterday. They get back to five hundred overall this season at sixty and sixty overall to snap. A five-game losing skid in this very daunting stretch against the California team. So that was necessary for the New York Mets yesterday. A pitcher's duel for most of that game. The Mets down one nothing into the ninth. They tie it, and then they end up winning by scoring four runs in the top half of the 12th inning. So a huge win for the Mets. Like you mentioned, the third shortest odds now to win the National League East. But of all the teams posted on the FanDuel Sportsbook, the longest odds... At the moment, but a big win for the Mets yesterday to get back to 500, try to carry this momentum now down to the southern part of California where they open up another series against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So things do not get any easier for the Mets. Still seven games remaining in this grueling 13 game stretch against the Dodgers and Giants in consecutive games so the Mets need to continue to piece this together the offense waking up a little bit in extras yesterday Kevin Pillar a three-run home run but as we know all year long Ariel the offense is what has been holding back the Mets even having Steve Cohen take the Twitter to call out the offense but the bats waking up a little bit yesterday in the Bay Area
1: Yeah, I'm excited because coming up next, someone who covers the division very closely from here on Sports Grid, Craig Mish. He does know a lot about all the National League East, even though he covers the Marlins. I'm really interested to get his take on an owner taking to Twitter and t- calling out his own team i mean this is the new way is it alex Rodriguez is going to start to do this in minnesota this is the new way for a lot of these owners to start calling out their players not sure i fully agree with it it did end up working the mets season hopes are still alive the question is can they win the division because ultimately that's what it's coming down to with the reds only a game and a half back of the padres for the national league wild card switching over to a team that's also trying to make the wild card the New York Yankees. The Yankees now have a one-game lead into the wild card spot. Boston and Oakland are the teams tied for the second spot. The Yankees have gained a lot of ground in the American League, still five games back of the Tampa Bay Rays. Yesterday they complete the sweep over the Boston Red Sox, winning five to two. The Yankees cash in minus 124 on the money line. It was an Andrew Heaney start that stays under the total of 10, which I could not believe. However, the Yankees did pitch well. They played well or Aldis Chapman almost blew the game. But look at this list by Katie Sharp, who posted all the recent Yankees series wins. The Yankees have won every series of their last 12 except one. They lost at Boston the series. Otherwise, 11 of their last 12 series the Yankees have come away with then.
2: And I'm pretty sure that series in Fenway was the first series for the Yankees back from the All-Star break when they had some COVID-19 IL issues. So for the Yankees to be rattling off things the way they are, 23-9 and since the All-Star break, and now have won six straight games, eight of their last ten, the Yankees are certainly trending in the right direction. And I feel like we're going to keep account of this each and every day, the Yankees' odds to win the American League pennant have grown shorter, from 8-1 to one yesterday to 7-1 to one today. Plus 700 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're also plus 390 now to win the American League East. They jumped the Red Sox and the Blue Jays for the second-shortest odds in that division. Tampa Bay still the heavy favorite at minus 210. But the Yankees have compiled win after win, series win after series win, and are trending in the right direction. But like you mentioned, a small snafu yesterday with the roll Chapman. Gave up the home run to Hunter Renfro. That made it a 5-2 game there in the ninth inning. And then allowed the Red Sox to have a tying run come to the plate. Runners on the corners for Austin yep. in the tying run at the dish. Aaron Boone had to go to the bullpen to spell a role this Chapman. So a little bit of concern, although things are trending in a very positive direction for the Yankees. But as we get closer to the postseason, especially in the playoffs right now, as the Yankees are in the top spot in the AL wildcard with a one game lead over the A's and the Red Sox. Something to keep an eye on. How do the Yankees shut out and close out games? Because we know, Ariel, they have played in the most one and two runs games in all of Major League Baseball this year.
1: I love that you brought up that point. It wasn't even just about the game tying run coming to the plate. It was the run that would have resulted in the game going over. If that, if anyone came up to that plate with two runners on and hit a game tying home run, the total was 10 yesterday. If the total was, I mean, if the game was tied at five, the game had to go over and hit 11 at least. That's what I was thinking yesterday for the Michael K show. I gave out and said, I like the under, I, I thought I was crazy. All the math pointed in that direction. Andrew Heaney has only allowed a total of eight and nine. I mean that's been his two totals when he's on the mound at the Yankee, at Yankee Stadium in a Yankee uniform. It hasn't hit 10. And for the Yankees and Red Sox series, going into yesterday's game, seven out of the eight games played at Yankee Stadium have either pushed or gone under the total of 10. Those trends are pointing in the direction of under Nick Pavetta on the mound too. Typically, his games go under as well. If it was Garrett Richards, this could have been a different finish. However, for Andrew Heaney, he comes out and he pitched a good game. Seven innings pitched, two hits allowed, one earned run, four strikeouts. His best start so far in a Yankees uniform. Coming up next, Sports Grids MLB Insider Craig Mish going to join the show. You're listening here on SiriusXM channel 204, the Sports Grid Network. back to the morning after on SportsGrid. Grid. It's Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Joining us, Sports Grid's MLB insider Craig Mish. You catch him on FST right after our show on Sports Grid at noon Eastern time. Craig, thanks for coming on with us this morning.
3: Good morning. Good to see both of you. hope you're having a great Thursday.
1: Thanks, Craig, and I want to start with this because you have the owner for the New York Mets speaking out on Twitter. It's the newest thing now for him, Stephen Cohen, to go out on Twitter, and now he's calling out his own team. You've covered the Marlins for many years. You know the Marlins manager, Don Mattingly. How hard is it for a team and a manager when your owner is going out on social media and calling you out?
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's definitely a little bit of a distraction, but at the same time... Uh, you know, social media has changed in a big way, the way that people operate in their lives. And, you know, it just, Errol, honestly, this used to be the what was called a newspaper many, many years ago. just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> where, as an example, I, look, the owner of the New York Yankees for 30 years used to do this on a daily basis with the writers. It was just that this didn't get printed until the next day. And so they would be reading about it 24 hours later or 18 hours later or whatever the case may be. So, uh, look, he owns the team. I don't have a huge problem with it. It's just that I think that the younger players would be the ones that are you know kind of most affected because they're living the social media life. I think the older players who have been around the league and they're in their 30s probably look at it and just dismiss And I know that Twitter is thinking about doing a dislike button. My guess is there would have been some dislikes on that as well. But, you know, honestly, I'm one that doesn't have a huge problem with it because I see through it. It's just Steve Cohen's also a fan and he sounds more like a fan than an owner in that tweet.
2: I mean, Steve Cohen's not necessarily wrong. The Mets have the 10th worst offense since the All-Star break, the fourth worst in the last two weeks, finally getting a win against the Giants yesterday to avoid the sweep up there. So, Craig, we also look at the National League East odds, and they have changed tremendously, I feel like, every week that we have you on. Now the Braves hold a a three-and-a-half game lead in that division. They are a minus 195 favorite to win the NL East on the FanDuel Sportsbook. What do you make of the NL East at this point?
3: yeah i feel like we're doing this every week here on the show and and it's fluctuated quite a bit it's gone from uh washington being really hot with kyle schwarber back in june as they were ready to take over then they dismantled then it became the mets division to lose then it became philadelphia in first place and now it's the braves and and look the braves have taken care of business they made some really sharp moves by getting Jock Peterson and getting Jorge Soler. And, and I think the combination of those two and then adding Adam Duvall has sort of masked the issue, Ben, of not having Ronald Acuna Jr. Their pitching has been really good. I still think the back end, 6, 7, 8, 9, is going to be shaky for them. But I would be foolish at this point to all of a sudden just think that Philadelphia is going to go on this run and overtake them. The only thing that I would say is that you can bet Philadelphia still in this spot knowing that they have those head-to-head games left against Atlanta. And so when we're talking about wild card, it's a little bit of a different scenario because you're looking at quality of opponent the rest of the way, and then there's no guarantee that they're gonna, that a team's going to win those games. But you know you're still getting those head-to-head games with Philadelphia and Atlanta, but the Phillies have some significant work to do. Um, and, and the Mets, I don't know. My confidence level is obviously shaken. Until they get the Grom back, I, I just don't know that there's anything to talk about.
1: When it comes to being shaken a little bit and not really uh, getting it right, I guess you could say, you tweeted this out about the Marlins, and you do cover the Marlins. And the Marlins had Jesus Lazardo acquired at the trade deadline. Lazardo comes over to Miami, and he hasn't gotten out of the fifth inning. He's given up at least three runs per game, and the last— last four starts he's had, three, seven, five, and four earned runs allowed. What did the Marlins see in Lazardo? that maybe just the trade threw him off, or are you losing hope on what he can mean to this team?
3: It's a good question. You know, I don't get involved with the Marlins betting, but I have somebody sending me texts that they're betting the over on Lazardo every single time he pitches, and, <laughs> and they're winning those bets. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. There's not much to say. Ariel, by the way, it's been you're right about the earned runs. Uh, but, but the issue has been also is that he's walked so many batters. He's coming out of the game, and the relief pitching is coming in with with batters on base and nobody out, and you know what's going to happen from there. You know, I really don't know the answer to this one. When the deal was made, it, it you know was stunning to me, and I and I think I tweeted that out as well. That I just couldn't believe that that Oakland was willing to give up arguably a top two or three pitcher in their organization for just a few months of Starling Marte, and so the deal looked good at the time. And still may look good in the future, but, uh, you know, is is Lazardo going to be Lucas Giolito, where he was the worst pitcher in baseball and then became one of the best? Or is he going to be like the other nine players, not named Giolito, that never figure it out? I, I don't know the answer to that right now, but certainly what the Marlins are doing is trying to have him figure out at the big league level, and that came in Colorado and didn't go well. And he's got to start coming up in Cincinnati, and I would be worried about that too. So it just seems like they're going to develop him at the big leagues for now. But, you know, I I don't know really the answer at this point. They have to hope that they can turn him around this offseason because it has not looked good at all.
2: Craig, the two best records in all of Major League Baseball reside in the National League West. The Giants, the best record in all of baseball. The Dodgers, the second best record in all of baseball. And the Giants hold a three-game advantage in the NL West right now. Both teams in the minus money category on the FanDuel Sportsbook. In your mind, how do you see the National League West shaking out the rest of the way?
3: Yeah, Dodgers have won, I think, five in a row or six in a row. They'll get Mookie Betts last week. They're constantly tinkering with their roster, signing non-40-man players to their 40-man, which is a really good sign there. Betts, Ben, is going to be a huge key for them, both offensively and defensively, if he can come back, and then, of course, waiting on Clayton Kershaw as well. So I, I still think the Giants are the team to beat there, but again, this is where you can go a little underdogish, and and you can take the Dodgers in this spot because they have those head-to-head games left. But really, the, I, I think the most interesting part of, of what's going to happen down the stretch is going to be with the San Diego Padres because even though the Reds have lost a couple of games in a row, as I mentioned, you know they have four games coming up with Miami who just got swept by Atlanta, and then another three games in Miami next week. And the Reds have the easiest schedule, I think, of all the playoff teams down the stretch, and you can still get plus money on them. I think there's a chance that they pass the Padres, not to mention on FanDuel, this is stunning to me, that Joey Votto is still like 40 or 50 to 1 to win the National League MVP. I have to tell you, look, it, it looks like it's Tatis's to lose, but you know who votes for those awards, Ben. And, and it's a popularity contest, and Joey Votto is a very popular player. I would not rule out that huge long shot the rest of the way. I have my eye on that as we move forward.
1: Especially if you see the Padres drop out of the wild card and the Reds jump in, there's only one and a half games separating those two. Craig, when it comes to teams that could be tanking in the next month and a half, I mean, you've covered the Marlins and you've seen that the end of the season doesn't matter for a team that doesn't even have odds up anymore to win its division. When teams are approaching games against teams like the Marlins, against teams that are out of the race, how could betters approach those types of games knowing that the other team may not care?
3: yeah, well, I think that you have to check the lineups in September. Right? I think that making making bets on baseball in September without waiting till four o'clock eastern to see who's in and out of the lineup, you're doing yourself a disservice. Now, there are some that would take the contrarian approach and say, hey, well, you know if I bet this before, I know the lineup, I may be able to get ahead of it. That is not the case with these teams that are falling out of it. So you know, teams like you've mentioned, Miami is certainly, I mean, I mean, they would never say tanking, but they're not in a position where they're going to win a lot of games the rest of the year. Baltimore, Arizona obviously are in that conversation. So is Kansas City probably as well. So I, I, I think that fading them is almost going to be impossible because you're going to be seeing minus three and four hundreds pretty much against them the rest of the way. But when you know that they're at full strength and they're playing all their supposed guys in a lineup, they definitely have a chance to win games. And, and I suppose the one team that I would say moving forward that's going to win more than they've won in the last month is going to be Baltimore. I mean, Baltimore does have a capable major league lineup with players in it that can hit home runs. So, like, that's a team that on any given day they can win a game. So every once in a while, if I see them against, like, Boston, as an example, as a plus 300, that may be a team that I would go for because, again, you have Boston not playing as well. And uh, and and I don't think the Orioles are going to lose, like, uh, 15 games in a row again they've already done it twice so that would be a team that I would watch down the stretch they have young players they're getting closer I think to competing and they have major leaguers in a lineup
2: Craig sticking in the American League the two favorites right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the AL pennant are the Astros at 2-1 to and the White Sox at plus 290 as you look further down the board though is there a team in the AL that you think presents value at this current point
3: yeah, I mean Tampa Bay is, is the favorite, I, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Still, so it would be, it would be, you know, Ben, it would be one of those three teams. I, I don't think the Yankees are, are profitable at this point, and and the, the, the worst time to bet the Yankees is now. They're playing their best baseball of the season. You're automatically paying a tax on them too. So I would just dismiss them. It, it would be those teams, Ben. We're almost in September. I, I can't go too out too far outside the box and think that some team is going to catch fire uh, at the beginning of the season. I couldn't have been more wrong on Boston as far as what I thought they would be this season, but now you're seeing kind of what I I thought we would see all season long, and there's a chance that they could fall out of this thing. I don't think it'll stop them from going over their win total, but since the All-Star break, they clearly have not looked like the team they were beforehand. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but yeah, I, I think you mentioned the teams, Houston, Chicago, and Tampa Bay. I think it would be those three.
1: Craig Mish, our MLB insider joining us, but also on FST at noon Eastern time on the grid. You've been breaking down the NFL. You've been doing fantasy. When it comes to the NFL season, you do get to cover the Miami Dolphins also. What is your outlook on the Dolphins season this
0: year?
3: I I think that they're going to be second in the division. I I think they'll finish ahead of New England. I think they'll finish ahead of the Jets. I, I can't sit here and say that they'd finish ahead of Buffalo. It would be foolish for me to predict that. But at least the one thing that seems to be catching fire in Miami is the idea that Tua has some weapons now. And with them drafting Jalen Waddle, he's been the best player on any field thus far that he's been on. And that is basically amongst all Miami Dolphins players, all Atlanta Falcons players, and probably even in their first preseason game too. He is the guy right now that seems to be uncoverable. Now, again, when the real thing starts, we don't know how that's going to look. The comparison that I would make, To be cautious on that end is Henry Ruggs was getting these sort of accolades last year with the Raiders, and then we know what happened. Ruggs did not have a great season. Ruggs also played at Alabama. You can make the case Waddle and Ruggs, similar players. Maybe Waddle a little bit bigger, a little bit better. Uh, I I think Miami probably right around, I think their win total is eight, eight and a half, nine. I think that sounds pretty fair, 17-game season. I see them winning close to 10 games, and I think Tua does take a bigger step this season uh, they're gonna have to figure out their running back situation. I think that's the one area right now of concern for them.
2: Craig, only about a minute left here when you're watching these preseason games and week number two gets underway tonight from a fantasy perspective, what are you looking for that could help inform betters in their drafts?
3: yeah, I, I think right now it's just the, it's it's the rookies and it's the players that are searching for playing time. It's the number three receivers. It is the backup running backs. Ben, it is those players that everyone knows who's going now in the first five, ten rounds of fantasy football drafts. It's who will I take later that may give me an opportunity to succeed. And so I know we have a game tonight. Philadelphia is going to play against New England. We're looking at Mac Jones. We're looking at uh, Jalen Rager, a player who's fallen a little bit in drafts. I think it's those players that, you know, the secondary-type guys, second-half-type players.
1: For more on fantasy, for more on MLB, you got to check out Craig Mish on FSD coming up at noon Eastern time here on the grid. Craig, thanks for coming on with us. We'll see you next week.
3: All right, have a great one.
1: Coming up next, Ben and I close out hour one here on the morning after. Stay right here.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: out our one here on the morning after on Sports Grid. It's Sirius XM channel 204 with Ben Stevens. I'm Ariel Epstein. Let's get to our poll. It's time for Fade the Public. Today's poll question revolves around week two of the NFL preseason. Unders prevailed last week going 13-3. and three. The question today is with the game starting tonight, are you going to be betting these unders again? Ben, the public has spoken and just over 60% say yes, they are going to continue to bet more unders than overs in the preseason. Are you fading the public?
2: See, that doesn't surprise me. The public answer is yes, continue to bet the, uh, the unders. That is a very public answer. And I am fading the public because Ooh, I think cool. the sharp side of things this week in week number two would actually be to take the contrarian view and look at the over of these week two totals obviously it will be dictated on a game-to-game basis to have an understanding of who is playing but if we are going to see starters out there for a good majority of the first half and you're seeing totals down there around 36 and a half 37 38 those are too small for an NFL regular season games maybe look to the first half overs as well I know FanDuel was posting those last week heading into preseason week number one a lot of them in the 16 and a half to 17 in the hook range of sorts as well so something to keep in mind if you want to just attack it from a starter's perspective but I think the sharp view this week could be some overs look out for that as you get into week two preseason
1: that's the toughest part it's just kind of changing your handicap you have to also see how these lines have moved especially on the totals what we realized last week is that a lot of line movement didn't really mean much when taking a side however when it came to the totals it did end up playing a factor you had to get the right number at the right time you want to make sure you don't get too bad of the end of the number because these totals have already been on the move some of them have moved by three four points already for these preseason games Then when it comes to finding out who's actually starting, well, week one of the preseason, maybe you didn't have as many starters. And now week two, week three, there's one less preseason game could play a factor down the stretch. Coming up next, it's hour number two on the show. We have an update from the sports gambling world and how it continues to expand. Stay on the grid.